Oh, that works. There we go. There, now voice amplification. Let's start over. Good morning. Yeah, I love it. Y'all are a lot more awake than the 8 o'clock. That's, uh, that's good. Uh, is anybody else really excited that it's summer? Yes? I hear some, like, preschool parents that are like, oh, I don't know yet. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. We're going to make it through. Hey, I, I'm really excited that it's summer. I'm, like, I was getting dressed this morning. I thought, man, I could wear, like, some swim trunks in church. We're gonna pray. Like, and I thought, you know, that probably would not be good. Uh, Jeff is probably going to watch online, and he'd be like, what was happening there? Uh, and then I realized that, like, it may be summer, but the sun has not kissed these legs in a long time. <laughs> it's, uh, it's almost transparent. It's, off- it, it's offensive. It really is. It's, it's pretty wild. So I've got a lot of work to do. I've heard of spray tan, maybe, something I can go for. But I'm excited. I even thought about trying to find one of those little, wa- uh, little umbrellas for my water bottle just to, like, really put it over the, put it over the edge. But we you know, held back just a little bit. But I, thinking about summer and, and what we're going to work through over the next couple of weeks uh, as we start a new series next week is really exciting. But as wrapping up this series called Leverage this week, uh, I really feel like God has put us at a crossroads, especially at summer, uh, to really talk about something that I think is, is we need to talk about. An aspect of what we leverage that is really going to be at the core or, or really challenge us to use the time that we have during the summer in some different ways. And, and over the past couple of weeks, if you maybe if you've tracked with us, you know that we've been talking about leveraging something. And that definition that we've given for that is the definition from the dictionary. It's basically to, max, to use something to its maximum advantage. We've talked about leveraging our time and our education, our resources. Last week, we talked about leveraging our difficulties. Pastor Jeff did such a great job of talking about how God uses those difficulties for his glory. And this week, as we wrap it up, we're going to talk about platform. If you've got your worship guide, you can fill in those blanks there so you can take this home and remember some of these things. But we're talking about leveraging our platform. And, and I really do, I think that this is a great way to kind of tie a bow around this series because I think a platform really encompasses a lot of the stuff that we've talked about already. And it brings us to this idea, this, this question of the place that God has put us. What are we going to do with it? When I was kind of doing the, the research and kind of preparing for the sermon, uh, you know, I figured we probably needed to find platforms. So I went to uh, where every good researcher starts, Wikipedia and uh, looked at some of the different types of platforms. That was funny. You can laugh next time. <laughs> Went to Wikipedia to find out what, uh, what, what different types of platforms. And, and Wikipedia gave me some good ideas of uh, different types of platforms. And we've got some pictures that kind of help us capture that. So uh, this one is, is the different types of computer platforms. All the IT guys are like, he's going to mess this up. You're right. The re- reality is that I, I think that there's a difference between like Microsoft and Apple. Like those are two different computer platforms. If there's something else you can tell me later, it'll go in one ear out the other, but I'll listen to you for a minute. Then there's other types of platforms. Uh, gaming platforms, I was told this is a PlayStation. Uh, there's Xboxes and Nintendos. Hold on, go back one more, Daniel. Don't, don't, don't fast forward me. One of the... Uh, Nintendo's anybody that remember those guys, right? And, and, and from what I understand, this is on the inside, way underground, Atari's coming back. Uh, Pong, just the old, like, you know, 16-bit. It's not going to be anything fancy, but it's on the way back. Trust me, uh, I got an inside track on that one. So gaming platforms are one of those things. That was a joke, too. Um, 
Moving on, we got, we've got diving platforms that are man-made, and then there are also ones that are, that are naturally forming, and I'm not sure why that guy would do that, jump off those perfectly good rocks into what he doesn't know is under them. Uh, seems like a little foolish to me, but, you know, whatever. Uh, there's other kinds of platforms. That we've got oil platform or subway and train platforms. Uh, these make for really good tear-jerking scenes in movies, right? This, if you're a producer, you could use that. That's some insight for you there. Then we've got oil platforms. That looks frightening to me. Um, and then this last, we've got political platforms, which we'll hear a lot about over the next, I don't know how many days. I'm, I'm really excited about the political season we're entering there. So, uh, and then these, we've got platform shoes. But that's not the type of platforms we're talking about. And, but if you're wearing those shoes, we do have to have another conversation it's about repentance, and because that's ugly. Um, but the, the type of platform we want to talk about this morning is the place that God's put us. If you've got your, your worship guide, you can see this is our platform is made up of our place, our, circ, our opportunities, and our circumstance. And to capture this, what we're saying is, is God has this platform that we have. It's, it's the place that you've put us. It's the spot that we find ourselves in. And what are we going to do with it? As we turn to James this morning, that's the question that we're asking ourselves is, what am I going to do with the place, the opportunities, and the circumstances that I'm in? Whether that's socially, economically, occupationally, whether it's my age, my relationship status, what am I going to do with the place, the opportunities, and the circumstance that God has placed us in? And if you're able, I'd invite you to stand. We're going to read, or I'm going to read a couple of verses from James that I think capture uh, this morning for us. And we stand just as a reminder that God's Word is an authority over us. We're not an authority over it. But hear the Word of the Lord from James chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. It says, Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city, spend, spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes, verse 15. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good that he ought to do or they ought to do and does not do it. It is sin for them. Let's pray together. Jesus, we come before your word, before you this morning and the songs that we sing and celebrating your greatness and your power. Oh, your power. We celebrate your sovereignty and your graciousness and your mercy that you've displayed uh, for us so clearly on the cross that the blood of Jesus is the power of the gospel that saves us from our sins. And we shout our hallelujahs and we come to this moment and we open up your word and we submit to you. We put our lives under the authority of your word and under the authority of your spirit and we ask that you would speak to us and transform us as you speak. God, we want to hear from your word what it means to use the place, the opportunities, and the circumstances that you have put us in for your glory and your honor. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen. 
can be seated. If you think about last week, if you were here, uh, Pastor Jeff, we, we talked about a passage in James, and he kind of told you a little bit about James as the, the half-brother of Jesus, right? He's Joseph and Mary's brother, and, or Joseph and Mary's son, and half-brother of Jesus. And what's obviously significant and what would be kind of just crazy in general is that James, as half-brother of Jesus, would even have been convinced that his brother was the Messiah. But we know that that wasn't early in his life. It was later after him being crucified and resurrected that he saw that this was truly the Son of God, that his brother, his half-brother, is truly the Messiah. And he trusts Christ, and he puts his faith in Christ and begins walking in that. And we find him here. He's the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, a church that has fallen on hard times, a church that has, has been come to a place where they're being persecuted for, for walking in faithfulness to Christ, right? And persecuted from different angles, from, from the religious establishment of the Jews, but also the Romans. And, and so a lot of the people that James has pastored and loved and cared for are scattered. And so when you read James, you're reading a letter to the people that he loves and pastors to remind them what it means to walk faithfully to the commitment that they made in the beginning, and the best we can tell in chapter 4, when he's writing to these guys, he's writing to a group of Christians who are more than likely business owners and merchants, and they travel from place to place. And he's calling them to, to kind of recognize that what they're doing is really walking in some faithlessness. They're saying, I'm going to do this thing, or I'm going to do that thing. And, and they're not really including God in the conversation. And so he's calling them to the table on that. Saying, hey, listen, you're, you're forgetting that all you have is given to you by God. And when we want to start this as we work through these passages, what I want to kind of point out what I think is really important, three different things that I see in this passage, but also in Scripture as a whole that, that can teach us how, do we, how we leverage our platform. And the first one that James seems to be calling these people that he's writing to is this, that there's, to leverage our platform requires recognition. If you want to fill that out, that's the, the first blank there on letter number one, or letter number one. Mm. It's summertime, right? <laughs> Under number one, that leverage our platform requires recognition. It requires that we recognize something significant. If you go, go to the very first part of this passage in, in, in verse 13 here, it says uh, he's kind of switching gears to, to address these people specifically. And then in our passage, it says, now listen. In the ESV, it says, come now, which gives this, this kind of like, hey, what are you doing? Right? He, he's kind of, if you don't, if you look a little deeper into it, the original language, there's a little forcefulness behind what James is saying. And he's saying, hey, listen up. Hey, let me get your attention real quick. The way you're living is not okay. The way you're operating and thinking your business and operating your, your world, using the platform that God has given you, it's not okay. Listen up. He's trying to get their attention, and we would do well to listen to what he's trying to do, even though maybe you're not a business owner or a merchant or whatever, the, those things. You, in all of our spaces, wherever we are, we've been given a platform. God's put us in a place, and we need to hear these words as he says, listen up, lean in. What I'm going to tell you is important. Because what they're saying is, hey, I'm, today or tomorrow, I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to spend a year there. I'm going to do business and I'm going to make money. He's like, why would you say it that way? Don't you realize that your life is but a vapor? It's, it's just a mist. It, it's here for a moment and it vanishes. 
I mean, you think about it in the morning when you get up and you go outside and all the grass is, is wet with dew, but in just a few hours that burns off. That's what James is saying. Hey, you say you're going to do this and that for the next year, but your life is literally just like the dew on the grass. In a moment when the sun rises, it's gone. What you ought to say, rather, is if the Lord wills, then I'll do this or that. And if you take this really right off the bat for, for the type A's in the room, and I, I put myself in this category, you, you may be nervous, right? Because you have the, the, the next four weeks, every hour on your Google calendar is planned out, right? You know what you're going to do every hour for the next four weeks. You know what's happening next year. You've already planned your D Disney vacation for 2023. Like, you've got it, right? You're like, man, 2023, I've got 2030 planned. I'm like, okay, well, listen, I'm just a JV on this, right? I'm learning from you. Take me under your wing. And then for the free spirits in the room, they're like, ha, ha, I got you, all you planners. Jesus says, don't do that. That's not exactly what's happening here, free spirits. <laughs> right? You're like, ha, ha, knuckleheads. No, really, what's happening? What is he saying? No, you can't, you can't plan and don't make plans. No, he's certainly not saying. Scripture affirms in plenty of places, free spirits, that you have to make plans and you need counsel and, and those kind of things. But what he is drawing out in this is that where is your heart in the middle of making those plans? What he's calling them to attention is about their attitude and the way that they view the plans that they're making. He's saying, hey, listen, you, you need to make plans, but the way that you're making plans is arrogant and presumptuous that you even have any ounce of control of what's going to happen in your life. So that's when he says, listen, now listen, recognize that you're not qualified to sit on the seat that you're sitting on. He's calling them to see that God is in control of every aspect of their lives. That, they, that he is God and they are not. And the throne that they've put themselves on by saying, hey, I'm going to go do these things is a throne that they should never sit on because they're not worthy of it and they don't have the qualifications to, to sit on that place. That's God's throne. So James calls them to this recognition to say, hey, listen, to his reader and to us, listen, that, that place that belongs to God and the place that he has you in is he's put you in by his grace. His spot, he has a plan. He, he has a, a plan for you, a place for you, and that spot that you're in, the circumstances, even though you may not like them at the moment, that opportunities that, that maybe you see on the horizon, and, and the place that you're in right now is a place that God has put you in. He's sovereignly in control of that. It's a part of his design that you're in the place that you're in. You're not in control. We need those moments when we're reminded that God is the one that's in control and that we're not. It's God's grace to draw us back. And sometimes it happens with people that tell us and remind us. Sometimes it happens in things like what happened to me a couple weeks ago. I went on a trip with JMI to the Amazon. It was my first trip to the Amazon. And there, we're going down the river to visit some villages. And at one point in the river, I remember it was, it was midday, and I'm, I look out on the river, and the, the breadth of the river is no less than two miles across. It's in the flood season, and so it is enormous, the, the size 
of the Amazon. I've never seen anything like it. It looked like we were on a lake that never ended. And I think about the size of that lake and all the things that are going on in the jungle that surrounds it and that, that God is completely and utterly and intimately and intricately in control of every aspect of all the things that I can take in with my eyes and hear and smell and the incredible food that was being cooked that I could taste, that he was in control of all of those things, the things that I could see that I could not see, every aspect of it. He was in control. Not one molecule in that vast jungle and that enormous river was not under his intimate and intricate control. And in that moment on that little boat in that big river, I felt very, very small. And it was God's grace to remind me that he is the one that's in control. We need those moments where God reminds us that he's the one that's in control. God uses his word to sometimes remind us. Colossians, Paul writes this, for in him all things were created, all things. In Jesus, all things, it means all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, there it is again, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. A sobering reminder that God is in control of all things. That means that even the place that you're in, the circumstances and the opportunities that you face today, he's in control of every aspect of them. I tell they hurt, I know. But he's in control of them. And he's not blind to the fact that you're where you are. And he's put you there for a reason. He's sovereignly in control of those things. And, he, and, and to leverage our, leverage our platform, we're going to have to come to the place where we submit or we recognize that God is in control of all things. He's in control of the neighborhood that we live in, the family that we're a part of. He's in control of our job, that, that placement, the gym that we work out at and the people that we're around there. He's in control of the school that you go to, the sports teams that your kids play a part of, the people that walk there and cheer on their kids at the same time that you cheer on your kids. It's not an accident. God's in control of that. God's in control of your marriage. He's in control of, of the band that your kids play in and the, and the time that you get to spend. All of those things God is in control of. And it's for us to faithfully leverage our platform, we're going to have to remain diligent to recognize that God is God, to trust him as Lord of our lives. And realize that he, as the sovereign over every aspect of our lives, does not have us in this place by accident. He has a plan for it. And the second thing that we see is not only do we recognize it, but do, secondly, we have to submit. To leverage our platform, we have to submit. It, it requires submission. First, it requires that we recognize that God has a plan for the place that we're in, or that he's placed us in this, the, the place that we're in is a part of his sovereign design, and he's placed us there, and he has a plan for it. We have to recognize that God has a plan and submit to that plan for our, for our place. Submission, what we're talking about is humility. It says, verse 15, it says, Instead, what you ought to say is, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. It's a call to humility, to submission to God's will over our will. 
In a moment of vulnerability, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open up to you here for a second. I personally uh, have opinions on everything. Everything. Ideas and opinions on even the things that literally have no matter whatsoever. And if I go a little bit further in, in reality, it's not that I just have opinions on them. I am completely convinced that I have the right opinion on all of them. That in the midst of, a, of an argument or a conversation, really, if I say, I could be wrong, I don't mean I could be wrong. I mean, I want you to lower your guard so I can attack. Maybe that went too far. But I have opinions. I have ideas on everything. And it's like it can drive people crazy and drive my wife crazy. Like, why do you care about where the bread goes in the, in the pantry? Like, I don't know. It goes in the right place, obviously, right? It goes in that spot, not there. Like, that's dumb. Yes, it may be, but it's right. But when we come to this place where we understand that God has a plan, for, He has a platform, He's given us this place, and it's sovereignly a part of His design, the second thing is we have to submit to the fact that He has a will for that place. He has a plan for the place that He's put us in. And in order to do that, we have to submit to carry that will out. We have to submit to His plan over ours, which means that we have to come to the place where we say, God, your thoughts are better than my thoughts that your way is better than my way. In Isaiah, it says this, he writes this, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 55, verses seven through nine, it says, let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord and he will, give, he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. Verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And in Proverbs, it gives us this incredible encouragement when it comes to thinking about the, the way that we see things and the ideas that we have and our thoughts. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It means trust in the Lord with all of your heart. See the direction of the trusting. It says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him. Humbly submit to him, and he will make your path straight. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. As grand and as perfect as I may think my ideas are about everything, they are below God's ideas and thoughts on those things. His ways that he handles things is, are, is different than the way that I handle things. And if I'm going to live out and I'm going to leverage my platform, the place that God has given me, it's going to require that I submit to his plan over my plan, submit to his way over my way. It means I'm going to have to lean on him for understanding rather than what I can see and understand about a circumstance. It says that I shun evil that evil is that arrogance that I can understand better than God. It's what got us in this mess to begin with. If you go back to Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, it's that Adam and Eve looked at the, the tree that God said, no, don't eat of this. And they said, you know what? Our plan is better than your plan. We're going to eat it. And it got in this whole mess. But walking in faithfulness to the platform and the place that God has given us, 
The opportunities and circumstances means that we recognize that he is God and that we're not, and we submit to his plan over our plan. One of the greatest examples of this, and obviously it's to go to Jesus in, the, in, in Scripture, but to look at Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane where he says, not my will, but your will be done. That in the midst of the, gar- in the, in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane with death imminent just hours away, Jesus sweating blood says, God, your will over my will in this moment. That in this place, in this circumstance, in this moment in my life, God, your will over my will for this moment. And aren't we incredibly glad that he put his will below God's will? Because in just hours later, he would be crucified on a cross, buried in tomb and raised on the third day for our sins and conquering sin and death. And if he had not done that, we have no reason to be here this morning. In order to leverage our platform, we're going to have to recognize that he's sovereign. He's put us in this place, in these circumstances, with these opportunities by his design. It's a part of his sovereign design. We're going to have to submit to his sovereign plan for those places. And and lastly, I think we can see in this passage that if we leverage our platform, it's going to require action. That if our platform is a part of God's sovereign design for our lives and the plan, he has a plan for this place, what we do with that place matters. And to leverage it well, it's going to require action. And the main idea is that it means we have to be obedient. It shouldn't surprise us when we, when we think about the passage that we read. James chapter 4, verse 17, the end of what we've read, it says this, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do, and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. What James is saying is what we all know is that there's places in our lives where we know that four Oreos is enough, but we eat 10. We know that there's something that God has designed for us, a place that he's put us in. We recognize that he's sovereign and he has a will for our lives, a plan for the place that he's put us in. And rather than doing what God's called us to do, we do our own thing. That we disregard God's plan. We shun that and do our own thing anyway. That's arrogance and sin. But in order to maximize the place that God's put us in and the plan that God has for us in that place, we're going to have to walk in obedience and take action in the way that God has called us to take action. There's arrogance and indifference when we we look at God's plan and we say, I've got a better idea. We sin by default knowing, knowing good and well that God has a better way and we just decide to do it our own. And I know that some of us, may, you, may, you may wrestle with that. And if that's the case, if, you're, if God rest, is wrestling with you on that specific aspect of, of where you are right now, know that this is a safe place for you to, to repent and, and draw near. And Jesus meets us with mercy and grace when we repent and confess our arrogance and, and, and walking in our own will versus his. Some of you are walking in that way. You're walking in, in, in obedience And isn't it incredible to walk in the way that God's called you to walk? It's the life that he's called us to live, that abundant life, is when we walk in obedience. There's some some students this week who started their internship here. We've got 11 summer interns that started just this past Thursday. Some of them, there's 10 of them, eight, 
11, eight of them that are here on this campus this morning serving in student ministry and production and all the different spots. And, and, and they're using this place, this platform, the time that they have, this, this slice of their summer as a platform to do what God's called them to do. And it's incredible. I'm watching them grow and I get to push them a little bit in some places where they're, where they're maybe a little f- afraid to walk in some faithfulness. And that's my role in, that, in, that oppor- in this opportunity that God's given us to have these interns. It's an incredible deal that we have a church that wants to raise the next generation of leaders for the marketplace, for ministry, and for the home. And we have that opportunity this morning or this summer to be a part of that. And one of our interns, one of our residents who's been serving for the past year, she also has a full-time job. And this week we caught up with her just to let her tell her story about how she's leveraging the platform that God has given her. And I wanna wa- want you to watch this video and then we'll wrap up on the other side. Hills in our college and young adult ministry. So outside of the church, I am a hairstylist. I have been a hairstylist for going on about four years now. Um, I can say that my favorite part of what I do, without a doubt, um, is the people side of things. You know, when people come in to get their hair done day to day, you know, you never really know what their day has looked like on the other side of that door, but you know the amount of time that you have with them. And so when people come in, I'm just daily just so dependent on the Lord and just seeking Him for how can I make the most of this time that I have. Um, and so, you know, it's it's such a, a unique thing how the Lord has truly entrusted me with this chair that is it's a safe place for the community. It's a place for them to come and rest. It's a place that they are seen and they are loved. And, you know, people are always journeying through different seasons of life and I really get to be a constant for them through that. I guess really it just comes down to building relationships with people and I love sharing with people about what the Lord is doing at Rolling Hills and it just sometimes get to invite them into that, invite them to church and invite them to come be a part of that. Recently I had the opportunity to do that. A few weeks back I had a first time client come in and in our time together she was sharing with me about how her family had just recently relocated to Tennessee from California. And so just talking through that transition with her and what that's looked like for their family, I invited um, invited them to come, told her about the opportunities we have for her kids to get connected with student ministry. She has a, a daughter that's graduating and going to college. And of course, that's where my heart is, is, especially with like college and young adults. And so I was telling her about those opportunities for her daughter to come and get connected. And so just extended that invite, having no idea what would ever come of it. And so fast forward a few weeks later, um, one of the things that is really important to Rolling Hills is prayer. And something that our staff does that I love so much is every Monday morning we gather together and we take those little connection cards that you get every Sunday morning where people write their prayer requests on them. We gather and we, we pass those out at round tables and, um, and we pray over every single one of them, each person by name. So this specific Monday we had well over 100 of these cards. I get to this one and I look at the name on the card and I thought, this sounds really familiar, but I couldn't quite place where it was from. And so I flipped it over and read through the prayer request and then flipped it back over and at the bottom it says, how did you hear about Rolling Hills? And so I looked at that part of it and sure enough, it's a hairdresser. And I thought, oh my goodness, like that's my client, you know, and just how cool that that was. And um, really just was super encouraged from the Lord in that. 
he's so in the details, you know? For one, they visited Rolling Hills, which was super cool and something to celebrate, but um, the fact that he would put that card out of so many in front of me to encourage me that, you know, you're in the right place and I see you and keep doing what you're doing, um, which is really, really cool. Really, no matter where you are, if you're a hairdresser, college student on campus, or, you know, no matter where you are, um, the Lord has given us all a platform. He's placed all of us in specific places at this time for a reason, and it's just that surrendering your day to Him and asking Him to give you the eyes to see the people that He wants you to see and the courage to speak up when He wants you to speak up. It's encouraging to hear those stories. And I know that there's plenty of others that could share stories of how they're using their platform. And God is taking that platform and using it for his glory and lives are being transformed. And on the bottom of your worship guide there with the, the notes, it, it gives four little spaces. And I wanna challenge you just even for, for right now, just take the pen that's maybe in the seat next to you, the pen that you came with and, and, and just write down a couple of the the places that God has put you in, the opportunities that he's given you, the, the circumstances that you find yourself in, the, the platforms that sovereignly he's put you in. Maybe it's your job. You're saying, God, this is a platform you've given me and, and you've given me this job and, and, and I wanna use it for your glory. Maybe that's how you deal with your customers in, in business dealings. Maybe it's how you share time and, and, and lunch with people that you work with and, and are kind to them and encouraging to them. Whatever it is with your job. Maybe it's your neighborhood and you say, at your neighborhood or your apartment complex, listen, the people on either side of me and across from me, it's not an accident that they're there. God didn't accidentally put me in this home or this apartment. God sovereignly put me here. This is a part of his circumstances, his place, his opportunities to glorify him with the platform that he's given me. Maybe it's the, it's the gym that you work out in and, and the people that come in there every morning that are the same people. Hey, he didn't, that's not accidental that those people come in every morning at the same time. How are you going to use that platform for his glory? Don't waste it. Students, I know you're out of school, but I want you to hear me. Don't waste the platform that you have of school. I was talking to somebody, a dad this week that leads one of our community groups, and there's an individual in their community group, a teacher for one of their children, and this, this teacher was sharing about how that she's been invited to everything from soccer, soccer games to recitals, but never once has she been invited to church until this, this man's daughter invited her to church. And now she's a part of Rolling Hills and in a community group with one of our community group leaders. Don't waste your platform because, listen, it might change somebody's life. Don't waste your summer, students. This is an opportunity that you're going to go to camp or, or kids camp and, or VBS or, or have opportunities to spend more time with friends doing more than just playing Fortnite, right? There's, there's lots of things that you can use this platform of the summer to do to spend time reading God's Word. Parents, Stop wasting the platform that you have with your kids. If there's one thing that's worked on me hand over fist this week over and over is the fact that I have oh, time and time again wasted the platform that God has given me with the three beautiful kids that I've given. And for some reason, he's, been, he's given me, and for some reason right now in our culture, it's funny to kind of laugh at how our kids are a hurdle to our happiness, but they're not. That's not what the Bible says, parents. 
The Bible says clearly that they are a gift, a heritage from the Lord. He says, excuse me, things lock up here. He says this, that children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born to, in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full. That doesn't sound like a hurdle to me. And so maybe it's funny, and I look, I'm in this boat. Maybe it's funny to pick on how your kids are a hurdle or how you need a bottle of wine to get through the evening with your preschooler, but that's not funny because God gave you kids and we don't need to waste our platform with our kids. We need to share the gospel with them and spend time with them and see it as a place that God's put us in. And if you're mad at me, realize I've been mad at myself all week long. So you're not the first one. You can line up. If you're single, don't waste your singleness. There are things that you can do in this season of your life that you will never be able to do when you're married and you have kids. Don't waste that place. You want the greatest platform that many of us in this room have because most of us are, in, are a part of a family? If you're a husband, one of the greatest platforms you have is your marriage. You want to see your kids changed, your people at your office change. You want to see things all around you change. You want to then use the platform God has given you in your marriage and love your wife. Love your wife even if you don't think she deserves to be loved because our Savior loved you when you certainly didn't need to deserve love. Love her. Take care of her. Your marriage is one of the greatest platforms you have, husbands. Wives, your marriage is one of the greatest platforms you have. Respect your husband. Even when you don't feel like he deserves respect. Because that marriage, showing that to your kids and to the people that are around you, when you respect and love your spouse, the people around you are going to take notice because that's not part of our culture. They're going to take notice in that platform that you've been given with that spouse that God has given you. He gave it to you. He has a plan for your marriage. He wants to use it for his glory. Don't waste your platform. The place that God has put you in, he's sovereignly in control as a part of his design. He has a plan for that place. And what we do with that matters to him. So let's walk in obedience. I want to invite the ushers to come up before we pray. Each week as we gather, there's opportunities for us to see leveraging happen in a pretty unique way because we bring our tithes and our offerings and we know that God says in his word that he has a, a cattle on a thousand hills. He doesn't need our money, but he calls us to give as an act of obedience. And he tells us that if we give, right, he says, test me in this, give and see if I don't pour out on you. So we leverage these small things, these small gifts and offerings for his glory. And I'm gonna pray in just a minute, but when we do leverage those gifts, lives are transformed. And after I pray and these guys start taking the offering, I want you to watch this video of somebody's life who was transformed because we've leveraged our tithes and our offerings and these gifts for his glory. So pray with me and then we'll, uh, we'll see this video and collect the offering this morning. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that you loved us first, that you love us best and you love us always. 
We thank you that you have put us in this place, in these circumstances, with these opportunities, sovereignly a part of your design, and you're not wasting any moment on it. And Father, we pray that you would use it to shape and to mold us, that we would submit to your plan and walk in obedience, and that you would be glorified because of it. It's in Christ's strong and mighty name that we pray. Amen. Watch this video as we collect the offering this morning. My name is Michael Balser. I grew up in northern Minnesota, lived there my entire life. With my spiritual journey, there's really not a time in my life that I can remember not knowing Jesus. I was very blessed to have a mom that made sure that I was involved in the church at a very young age. She didn't have that strong sort of background when she was younger, so we were learning together going to church, um, and she really knew that it was important to learn your master's voice at a young age, like Pastor Jeff says. It was really as I grew older that I started to feel myself drift away from God. I was passionate enough about success, and I really put my career and success first and foremost, and I felt like I would be able to find kind of the reward I was looking for in terms of my accomplishments, but it really always left me with a hole that I really couldn't fill. And it, it really wasn't until I started coming to, to Rolling Hills here that I, I felt that relationship start to be restored. Really, to me, it's a dedication and a celebration of the life that you get to have with God because Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to die for us on the cross. You know, the difference between being a believer and a follower is just, it's, it's like night and day. Um, just going to church to check the box doesn't do it. Um, it's more than that. Um, God wants us to use our, our gifts and our talents um, to really make sure that we're impacting others. I think I have maybe a louder voice uh, today at age 34 than I, I, I did back then. And I feel like I'll be able to impact more of my friends, my family, and hopefully other people.